0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series, which I am doing with my dear friend, Graham Brown. Um, now, I'm going to get Graham to introduce me in a minute, but I think it's important to introduce him. Graham, I think, is probably one of the world's top podcast agency hosts. He's a podcaster, and I just love him for his, um, his experience of life. And, and the fact he's going to throw me all sorts of surprises as we mm. do this session together. This is the first of a number we're doing. Uh, but without further ado, Graham, over to you.
1: Jonathan, thank you. It's a pleasure, a privilege to be here. And when you asked me to do this, I was more than happy because yourself being an inspiring leader I thought it would be a great opportunity to dig into some of your stories. You don't talk a lot about yourself on the podcast, your podcast. So here's a chance to find a bit more behind the scenes. (laughs) And there is more to this man as well, as I found out. So a few surprises (laughs) we'll learn in the journey. That's right. So I'm looking forward to that and see how he kind of reacts on his, thinks on his feet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <A little bit. laughs> he's looking i think he's a little bit defensive on the off the off the bat because i did say there'll be a few surprises here so he's not quite sure yeah. but no, you're in, you're in safe hands so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this jonathan and you know obviously we did the podcast together before i followed your podcast i love the conversations you talk about the way you do it people you have on so this is just it all all the stars are in alignment in the world of podcasting here
0: yeah, it was very interesting. Um, I, uh, as you know, I was in Peru recently doing this ayahuasca and San Pedro ceremony. And um, part of the uh, the visioning that I had of the future was I could see up through the roof of the um, the temple I was in and I could see the stars and that I was sort of up there with them and you're one of them. So here I am up with the stars. <laughs> so Graham, why, why are we doing this? You know what, What's in it for everybody who's listening and watching it on YouTube? Um, if I perhaps go first, what I think yeah. uh, is in it, and then maybe you could add to it. it. It's really, so we are fascinated by the whole topic of leadership and helping people raise their game, learning from real-life stories that are going on in the news, uh, people that we've worked with, our own life experiences, the people that we've had the pleasure of working with, interviewing, learning from... Um, but it's so people can have a really fun podcast and they like the banter between uh, t- the two podcasts. I- I'm enjoying Alistair Campbell and Rory Stewart. They do uh, yeah. politics and there's just, there's a bit of tension. There's a bit of banter and I think we're going to have the same. So what about you? What do you think?
1: More of one than the other. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to digging in Jonathan and leadership. It's, it's talked about a lot these days, isn't it? Hmm. Because we've been through some crises and it seems that, we're in this forever crisis now, whether it's COVID or geopolitical crisis, there's always something. Mm. And when that is solved, there'll be something else, I'm sure. So it's a time for leaders, a time for leaders to step up, but it's often talked about, you know, it, it pervades all kind of business talk now. Everybody's talking about leadership, you know, being a leader yourself, Well, what exactly is it? We've all been touched by leaders, haven't we? We've all had our lives impacted positively by leader figures. You know, who are they? How have they changed us? And in history as well, has been impacted by leaders. So I'm really looking forward to diving into that and mm. hopefully, you know, shining a spotlight on a new forms of leadership. You know, it's not just traditional top-down leadership. You know, there are different types of leaders out there as well. So let's kind of give them a stage as well. So lots to, lots to learn. Um, you know, we're learning ourselves as well, mm. Jonathan.
0: Mm. Well, and the other thing is we're looking forward to you, the audience, sending us questions. I'll come on to that at the very end with Graham's website and mine. Send the the questions to both our websites and and we'll pick out the best from the mailbag of those to mention the people who sent it and their question that they had for us. Um, Mm. And this week, uh, to start us off with the, the theme is inspiring leadership, the introduction. Um, there's Ian Pearce from Nottingham. And Ian said, and this is, of course, come to the heart there of some of the, <laughs> some of the challenges we've got, why the lack of good leadership in politics? Oh, oh wow. That, that's a good We don't question. have
1: long enough time to, <laughs> to answer that question.
0: But, I mean, you, you look back over the years, it's made me think, yeah. you know, whether it's Disraeli or I, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm listening to a book on Onassis, uh, his mm. biography, which is fascinating. And he was in Smyrna when the Turks burnt it and killed 120,000 people. But the Greeks had come through and they would destroyed most of the inland and every village they'd uh, retreated from, they would killed everybody. But he was talking about, it was actually Lloyd George had supported Mm. the Greeks going in there and and going further into Turkey. And you thought he was good. And so Mm. throughout history, politicians, some people think are great, some people think are awful. But I think at the moment, there really is, Quite a lack.
1: What's your thought? <laughs> All right. We'll nail our colors to the mast straight away. There's a lack of good leadership in politics today. Yeah, I mean, you and I will both remember a time at school when we were taught the names of kings and queens throughout history. And uh, my son is just doing his GCSEs at the moment. And they still teach kings and queens and historical dates. You know, King John, King Richard. Do you remember, like, at school, it was... So for those outside of Britain and British history, you know, King John, King Richard, one was a hero at one point, a great leader, wasn't it? And then King John was the bad guy. King Richard was the good guy. And then history was rewritten and King Richard was the bad guy because he spent all the money on the crusades and actually he wasn't such a great leader after all. So it changes a lot, like you say. So I'm not sure, you know, maybe in years to come we'll look back on leadership today. And reflect. I guess good leadership stands the test of time. And interestingly, Jonathan, I don't know if you know this, being a student of history, today, I know you're a busy man. you may have passed you, but if you're American, you would have known what the, the special significance of today was. It was the... Refugee? Any guesses? Refugee no. Egg? Your American friends are going to uh, put a you, next time. 20 June the 21st. Oh, hmm.
0: is, is it? Is it the... Is it when they went into Texas and they proclaimed that all the slaves were free? Um, um, it was stretching a
1: little bit. Okay, shall we help them out here? Today yeah, was right. the ratification of the US Constitution. Oh, okay, right. So, yeah, fair enough. It wasn't like, you know, well-known fact <laughs> in British schools. Like, is, they were teaching you King John. <laughs>
0: they why. were teaching me King John. And, of course, they were teaching about King Richard, who was in love with Blondell, his bard is a Christian. <laughs> and he was a he was a, an early pinup for it's it's okay to be different so you know, it's okay he, right he, he may have been he may have been blowing all the money and um getting locked up in castles as he was trying to get back from the crusades and therefore absent from from duty but he, he um
1: absent from duty that he, doesn't make a great leader jonathan i think he needs done. to stick it out and John obviously was, u.s constitution today that's the big So that's a good example of leadership stood the test of time documents, a map, wasn't it for their belief system that's lasted over 200 years, obvious one for our American friends. But here's one that you may not know. I was just checking it out. I thought, what happened on this day? Like good examples of leaders. And here's one very few people will know, but I think is a good example, a badass leader, Tiny Broadwick.
0: No, don't know, totally. never heard
1: of her. Me too, right? Okay, so one for you. She was the first woman to parachute out of an airplane cool. in 1913. Wow. How cool is that? Like, 1913, she'd actually parachuted out of a hot air balloon five years earlier, but this counted the first out of an wow. airplane. So you can imagine a woman doing it in 1913. She was known as the doll girl. <laughs> Come and see the doll girl. You know, fall from 5,000 feet. But here's, interestingly, she actually invented the ripcord. Wow. So have you, you parachuted, Jonathan? I, well, I, I have with, military the, man.
0: The, with the airborne. And, and I remember all, all too well out on Aldershot Common doing the jump from the balloon. And actually, it was more scary than going out from the aircraft. And I was scared mm. of both. I'm scared of heights. Um, but actually, when you go out of the aircraft, you're supposed to coolly count 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, check canopy. And, of course, you do have, still have the, the ripcord for the reserve um, but I went 1,000 to do that. Oh, my God! Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> and I was untangling all the ropes above me, trying to kick my way around. You have to kick your way around to unravel the fact you, you get spun. And I only had about 800 feet before I hit the ground. Luckily, I landed in one piece. Did you deploy? I, yeah, I did, did deploy. But, but I, I, much of my life, I've spent trouble with a, a bad back from landing badly doing wow. training. But anyway... Um, so there's much we can talk about in politics, but let's make it a bit personal. Go for these yeah. three questions for this month's uh, introduction to Inspiring leadership. What does inspire leadership mean to you, Graham? And what does it mean to me? What What does inspire leadership mean to you?
1: Who's going first? Should we do you first because okay. you're you you started the podcast, so you obviously had a yeah. an idea about inspiring leadership. Yeah,
0: um, inspiritus, breathing life into you. And, and this idea that you can't inspire anybody else unless you're inspired yourself. Mm. And I do believe that that like anything, it begins at home, you know, any, any kind of change, you've got to sort your own shit out before you can try and give any uh, lecture or any advice to anybody else. So I do believe that, you know, if, if I'm trying to help other people, I'm an early adopter of any of these things I read about, whether it be zone two training on my rower and I'm out there this morning doing 50 minutes of that, whatever it might be, or or just positive mindset, which actually helps. So I think um, inspiring leaders have to breathe life into themselves first then into those around them so they willingly follow them not out of curiosity what they're gonna like they do Mm. following boris what is he gonna get wrong next you know what's the clown gonna do he's stuck on a zip wire oh yeah how interesting um but but really because that leader cares about the people that he or she Mm. is leading the the people feel that followership they they deliberately want to follow that inspiring leader. And it's not just about having good values and morals and ethics, which I think, for example, Keir Starmer has, but you've got to have a bit of inspiration and a clear vision that people will get behind yeah. while being healthy in the way that you do it. So you're not a narcissist. It's it's serve to lead, it's not serve me. So that's my thought. What about you, Graham? What, what, do you, what does inspiring leadership I mean? like this idea of
1: inspiritus to breathe, to be alive. And uh, to inspire others as well. The key here, isn't it? And not through control, but through, it's almost like a love for somebody, isn't it? That they, mm-hmm. they you know, a, a leader figure is loved, mm-hmm. um, you know, because that, there, there's a real bonding. You see it in many, you know, obviously in the military, you have those kind of analogies. You see it in sport, um, you know, wherever you have kind of teams working together. And I'm sure we're going to go into that as well. During this podcast, looking at some of those examples, for me, Jonathan, I'm, um, and we're going to go into some of our examples today, aren't we? We're going to mm-hmm. put together our, our list. We're kind of commit mm-hmm. our list to the audience to kind of give us some feedback on our inspiring leaders. You know, as I've studied leadership over the years, I have learned, I guess, that um, leadership's not a popularity contest. You know, if you want to be liked, get a dog. <laughs> It's it's a lot simpler. It's an easier life. But I think that what lead, if I look at what great leaders have done, they've chosen the path of most resistance. Mm. And I think this is an important undertaking for a leader because a leader isn't just, you know, the most popular or, you know, the most influential or the most well-known. It's the person that's used that platform for good. And this you know you talk about morals and ethics it's how do they actually use that for good because i feel that when leaders make change often they're unpopular and a really good example of this and somebody i guess we're going to come back to later on martin luther king Mm. who i believe was a great or one of the most inspiring leaders of the 20th century and he was at the time. So in 1964, so he, he, he born in 29, di- assassinated in 68. But in 64, when he was alive, at the height of the civil rights movement, um, when asked in a Gallup poll, Americans voted 50% for him, feeling favorable about him, 50% against him. So it's neutral. And he just about ranked in the top 10 of the most inspiring Americans of all time. In 1967, before he was assassinated, he dropped off that list. And in that list at the time was had people like Johnson, um, you know, the architect of the Vietnam War, Nixon, Billy Graham, <laughs> the evangelist, Pope, Paul, and not even Martin Luther King. So he wasn't even popular at that time. A lot of people saw him negatively when he was at the height of the civil rights movement. And obviously he was assassinated, but, but by 1999, he was voted the most revered American in history. So I think that to me, that's leadership. It means taking people not where they, want to go, but where they need to go. And that means being unpopular. And I think one of the mark of, the mark of a great leader is they take, you know, the leader gets the first arrows, mm. right? They stand up, they get shot for their people. And that literally happened in this case, when many leaders, I guess, are like that as well. Mm. That's a true, you know, measure of sacrifice. That's a real leader.
0: Time and again, when you look at leaders, and, and we're going to perhaps pick some that are now dead, but at their time they weren't popular, or they were causing a you know a problem like Florence Nightingale at the time. You know, was, yeah. a, was a complete irritant to the military in the Crimea because she was getting in the way. But you know, give it a couple of years, and they realised what a what an amazing woman and inspiring leader she was. Um, I was listening to a story about the um, Dogger and um uh, you know um, german bite and all the the, the met forecast for the weather yeah the guy the, the metrologist who designed it all actually committed suicide because no one was buying into it but about wow. a year after he committed suicide they, they went this is a really good idea and it's been going ever since for at it's least amazing. you know for, for maybe 60 to 100 years so yes yeah. you're, you're like like philosophers you're never understood in your own in your own land or at your, your own, own lifetime in your own lifetime yeah like my yeah. old sergeant major said to me uh, once when he was i think uh ripping me apart sir you're a legend in your own lunchtime and i, I think <laughs> that was that was a bit of um how do you breathe life into yourself and others and how um uh yeah how how do you breathe life into yourself and others that you lead, and to the organisation you work for. That's the next question, mm. um, Graham. What do you think? You know, how how do you breed life into yourself and the others you you uh, work with in the organisation? So it is inspired as well. So you, your others, and then the organisation, always and and your customers, of course.
1: Keith. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what great leaders do, they tell stories very well, mm. and not stories like. Once upon a time, you know, gather around, not stories that are fabrications of truth, but really they are the truth. Mm. And I think a good leader has that ability. And I mean, a lot of analysis has been done on Churchill and his oratorical skills, you know, that he, that they say he put the English language to work and sent it to war. Mm. You know, he could tell, you know, the famous speeches Fight them on the beaches. All these kind of things. That the very, you know, using a lot of analogies. Um, so I think you know that what we do as leaders, whether we're leading a team of three or countries, is is tell stories. Really, the promised land pitch is extremely powerful. If you paint a picture of where you're trying to get to, or what you're building, or where you want to take people, you'll find enough people who want to go with you. Of course, ninety percent of them will, you know, like. What are you doing? But the 10% will want to, that's the love part, isn't it? Rather than the like part. So Mm. I think a key part of inspiring others and in in yourself as well, is that storytelling, Mm. I guess it's part of why we do the podcast as well, Jonathan, you know, because it is a platform stage Mm. storytelling. And I you know, we can't underestimate the power of story. That's leadership is storytelling and storytelling is leadership. They're they're inseparable. So to become a good leader and to inspire, you have to tell stories.
0: Oh, so many things come off that. And if I just sort of pick up at what you're saying, um, it, interesting, when I was doing some training in uh, speaker training, um, we, we look, you know, the, the, the we shall fight them on the beaches. We shall never, never surrender. Um, yeah. It was actually it's a, I think, a rhyming pentameter, uh, it, but it's like uh, Henry V. He often chose Shakespearean uh, rhyming couplets. So. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For yeah. he today who sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. I mean, uh, he 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 picked it up and, and and in that way that we remember. The other person is on my list, uh, and I think he was on yours as well. Uh, General Colin Powell, or mm. as he pronounced it, Colin. But it, it's an English, it's an actually an English name which is Jamaican relations wanted him to be called Colin, but he chose the Americanized <laughs> version, Colin. Um, very inspiring leader, uh, clearly in 2003, got into, into deep trouble because he said to the UN that there are all these weapons of mass destruction and there's and there's loads and loads of nukes and, and chemical things which didn't exist. So that really damaged him. That aside, and he was admitted that, a really inspirational leader. And he is a public speaker, um, or mm. rather he was until he died a couple of years ago, Uh, But he lived until 84 and still doing public speaking at that time, telling great stories about his his tough upbringing, uh, how he didn't have the usual route, and the mentors and the other leaders who brought him on. Um, So going from the inspiring leaders, like the ones we've just mentioned who inspire us, to expiring leaders, the ones who suck the life out of you, (laughs) like Harry Potter's Dementors, and they 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 just take your soul away. What's been your experience of expiring leaders? Expiring leaders. Those who suck the life out of you.
1: Toxic. Toxic yeah. Yeah. This is like the old fashioned leadership. I went to a a boys school until the age of 16 and I couldn't take it anymore. And I begged my parents to send me to a mixed school. So they took me out of the private school and sent me to the government state school. I was so happy because it's the first time I've seen a girl when I was 16. But like you can imagine, I'm sure you, you can sense that these kind of environments had or were somehow attractive to that kind of toxic leadership mm-hmm. that it was very much, you know, top-down old-fashioned military command chains, you know. And obviously, I guess, you know, from your experience, you've seen that evolve as well. That the military is trying to become more decentralized, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But even in school, we're very much like you don't question very toxic very draining and for me as a teen it just provoked me to push back Mm. and fight that and therefore you know i you know these sort of authority all authority figures became a target for me Mm. so Mm. i I was surrounded by those kind of you talk about expiring leaders i was surrounded by them and you know almost like a rage against them it's not healthy
0: No, stay with it because um, it is very interesting. Other nations like the French cannot understand our, our public school, as it's called, because in American state, public and private is yeah. very confusing. Um, in that, um, sorry that, turn that off. Um, in that, uh, it has been the basis of quite a lot of problems hmm. in the character of people who've been through the bullying that went on, um, so, some of the intimidation, the command and control structure that happens in those old in those old public schools or fee-paying schools. So you're paying to send them away. And the French said, you know, what is wrong with you? Do you not like your children? Why do you send them to prison? You yeah. Know? And there's the, the book called The Making of Them, which you yeah. need to read by Nick Duffel, The Making of Them. And, and of course, it was this threat It'll be the making of Graham. We'll oh, send yeah. him away to school. We'll... We'll impoverish ourselves to pay for education yeah. because it's going to be worth it. It'll be the making of it. And of course, so many uh, of our leaders in organisations have had this sort of privileged uh, education. But you have to question whether it's a good thing or not. I don't know. Oh, absolutely, there's on. some
1: great books out there that talk about like the making of them. In you know the. I um, recently read Empire Land, which is really, you know, about the truth about the empire. You know, there's it, there's good and there's bad. There's a lot of bad at the British Empire. But interestingly, you know, a lot of good people, a lot of great work, but there was also the untold history as well. Mm. And I think, you know, what you allude to is that that was how we built an empire, mm. is that we we took these kids away and, gave them this sort of exposure to this toxic leadership because it then indoctrinated them in this idea that they could then do that in all these other countries, you know, because, and that's why you have that kind of, there is that group of people who went to these schools and are somehow emotionally distant and, you know, can function like that. And Mm -hmm. we have, it, it sort of, you know, it permeates into leadership in the political circles. Like you started off asking why don't we have good leaders? Well, a lot of it is how we're grooming them from a young age you know these sort of career politicians and they go through this system they don't have good exposure to to emotional leadership you know they don't have leaders who uh, can show vulnerability or leaders who um, can understand the opinions of other people and that's why we have a problem at the top is because at, at the bottom Yes. The, the feeder into that is toxic.
0: Yeah. And, and and this is so interesting with many of the leaders that I coach and a number of the CEOs who've been through that system like I have and you have in parts. Some of them come out well. Uh, a number of them come out well. But a number of them have learned to shut off completely emotions because when they cried, they got slapped around a bit yeah. and told, don't blub. Come on. And I, I, I was... I must have been, goodness, I must have been six or something when I went away to boarding school. Now, okay, my father had died. My mother was looking for other role models that I could find at school. Unfortunately, in the next house was a master who was abusing the boys. Now, I didn't know about it at the time, but it came out later on. And, And so you trust them to the duty of care and they're having to harden themselves to an environment where later in life, They do things which are not, which is not acceptable Mm. in the way that they treat people and and they can't build healthy relationships with other people with high levels of EQ because they've been focused on the IQ and not the EQ. Now, well, let's not generalize on all, many come out and are very successful, nice, balanced people. Mm. However, there is a dark side to all this privilege and that sense of entitlement. Do Mm. Do you know who I am? Yeah. Mm. And and that you know we were meant to run the empire, we were meant to mm. rule the world, or you know, you went to some of the, the top Ivy League colleges in America, and that gives yeah. you a privilege and a right over others. You know, you're the you're the, the guys running the world. Um, and French the grande écoles, um, mm. where the, the power distance between those elite and that few, you know, if you look at the politicians, nearly all of them have been to the grande école. It's a sort of elitism uh going on in many nations it's the same problem Hmm. um so how about let's go on to our our next topic which is our top inspiring leadership role models and you and i were just wanting to sponsor a few names uh, and put some out there what 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 was your list let's perhaps you know you've talked you talked about um um martin luther king yeah uh, and I've talked
1: about uh, Colin. Should we do one, one each? We yeah, go do down the list, one each. Why sponsor yeah. them? We have to yeah. kind of. It's like the balloon speech, isn't it? We have to yeah. sponsor them, and if That's if right. they don't make it, we kick them out of the balloon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. okay, go, go, go. You go for the first one. Then. Okay, um, I would like to put on our list. Um, whilst we're talking about M- Martin Luther King, I'd like to put in Robert Kennedy. Yeah, Bobby Kennedy, as he was known, um, John F. Kennedy's younger brother. And uh, I really didn't know much about him. Everybody knows John F. Kennedy, who I think is an amazing leader as well, by the way. Um, t- took us to the moon after yeah. all, in a world of four megabyte computers. That was NASA, by the way, four megabytes. Yeah, so yeah. Robert Kennedy was um, a man who changed himself. And I think that's kind of an important part. You know, he, he grew up in privileged, you know, white, uh, middle class, educated family on the East Coast, um, all the Kennedys, you know, Irish stock. And, but he changed. And after the assassination of his brother, um, started spending a lot of time with mixed races, cultures, Latinos and Blacks, um, which at the time wasn't done. You know, we're talking 60s when, like, you know, the white people kept to themselves in America. Um, amazing guy in terms of his views in later life, um, you know, really did embrace diversity. And um, a lot of people say he was the best president America never had. Mm. and. Like his brother got assassinated but you know i spent a lot of time reading about him he was obviously you know a partner not necessarily a friend of martin luther king but if you ever get the chance the listeners is to there's a there's a speech that robert f kennedy does on the eve of martin luther king's assassination and um which is he was supposed to be running his campaign at the time and obviously he just found out that king was assassinated so he went to address the crowd who are mainly black african-american and um he just gave this off-the-cuff speech about um loss and you know it was it's extremely moving Mm. and he said you know that i too have you know lost somebody to a white man who assassinated my brother you know and like he was speaking to a mainly african-american crowd but like of all the places in the u.s there were riots all that night because of king's assassination but that was the place that There wasn't any riots because that just shows the power of being able to placate and include people Mm. and to understand and empathize with them. So I just think he was an amazing man. Of course, like a lot of these leaders, Jonathan, I'm sure if you read one chapter in their life, it's pretty horrific. And you think, Mm. oh, that's not a role model, but they never are perfect. So I want to put in Bobby Kennedy there because I think he was kind of like. I'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, I'll go with that. He's definitely in the balloon for me, too. And, and, and beautiful knowledge that you have of him from, from his reading. Uh, and what I'll add to it, going from America, we've had a couple there, and uh, well, three actually, Colin, um, to, um, to Britain, um, where I'll pick a, a contentious one, Queen Elizabeth II. Okay. Um, just celebrated her 70 years uh, on, on the throne. And, and I've uh, had the privilege of meeting her on a couple of occasions. Obviously, I went to get my MBE from her. And just on a personal level, uh, her presence. I, I also was lucky enough to meet Diana as well, Princess Diana, who I think probably is also someone I found as an inspiring leader. And I'd add to, to that list. I have not had her on there before. Um, complicated, uh, complex, uh, her own relationships and all that went on. But again, I knew people who knew her well and, and had a, a deep respect for her. But let's, the Queen, I remember in going up to meet, her, I was very nervous and yeah. uh, I was in full dress uniform, going to get my bit. And I had my sort of minute and a half with her. She knew my name. She knew what I'd done. She knew why I'd got the award. She had no notes. She had no FBI earpiece. No one whispering in her ear, this is Jonathan Berman-Perks. And she just chatted to me about it. And she made me feel like I was the only person that mattered in the room. And I was at the lowest level of the awards. So we were all people getting knighthoods and dames. And they... But she made me feel, and I'd never forgotten that moment, mm. some 25 years later. And, and she then shook my hand and has this lovely way of gently pushing you away, which means you don't, <laughs> don't hang on to my hand. You're told this is, you know, and she'll shake your hand and just push you away. So you're not clinging on to her before you go and, and taking up your time. You had your time. But I think she's been an inspiring leader, doing a quite uh, a, a job of serving the country and making you feel special and making mm. millions of people feel special that she personally met, whether you're a royalist or not. For mm. me, she's an inspiring female leader who is now a uh, you know, great grandmother, I assume. But, but I think she should be up there.
1: Mm. Good choice interesting one as well I'm curious about the meeting did you get dressed down on all the protocol beforehand don't do this do that what were some of the things that you could share just in case I get yeah, at some well, when, point when you called get, up well, you get I get my award. knighthood <laughs>
0: yeah I, I think it's just the the respect treat her with respect she'll treat you with respect yeah. make good eye contact don't take more than your turn because there's everybody yeah. else needs their moment with her don't be selfish uh Mm. because she's all about serving serve to lead she epitomizes for me service and duty and loyalty Mm. to an organization that's bigger than that she gave her life up to from the age of 26 or whatever she was for the the, the last 70 years and she's going to die in the job Mm. few people are prepared to do that Mm. now you know others might think well give it up let let you know bypass Charles and, and let, uh, let the son have it, you know, give it to Harry or William, but, but actually she knows it's, it's a duty and whether it exists in the future for long, it's marked us out when the politicians like Boris lack any kind of moral compass and leadership. She has a moral compass. She Mm. has leadership. uh, And she's, she's been a role model. to
1: us. It's interesting choice. I don't think it's an obvious choice, but it's a good one. I'm, I'm not a Royalist myself, but I think as her, she, you know, her personality and what she's done, she's done a really good job. Let's mm. face it, at the end of the day, if, if you just look at it from, let's say she held a public office and it wasn't, you know, divine birthright, that still she's done amazing really, because it's a thankless task. You're navigating public opinion for 70 years. Mm. Everybody's in your business and looking at what you're doing, poking at your family, and um, But to kind of manage that for that long on that stage, that scale is phenomenal, really. You've mm-hmm. really got to be good at what you do.
0: Uh, one bit of information that people don't know, is: lucky enough to coach the CEO of the Crown Estate. Uh, it's an organisation that looks after all the uh, land that was once belonged to the royals, but mm. they've given it to the country. So much of Regent Street, Oxford Street, you know, huge chunks of land, Windsor Great Park and all this kind of, stuff, much of the coasts, all the coasts, and it's run by the Crown Estate. And the CEO said to me that that her interactions as CEO with the Queen, Prince Philip, Charles, was always really, she was very impressed by their commitment and their sense mm. of service. And she said, you don't realize that because they gave that to the country, we make many billions, It's 10 billion business, 13 billion now. From it, and that we give money back to the taxpayer from mm. all that that was once royal land, which was given to the country. So everybody goes, ah, oh, why have they got this royal list, and they're being well? Actually, that was the deal. We'll give you all this land and stuff for perpetuity, but just give us a you know a royal list of people who get paid, which which is the return deal. So it's it's a it's a deal, and I mm. think people don't know that they go ah bloodsuckers. They're just doing nothing. But actually, yeah, you know, okay, you're right. Inheritance, they inherited it. Let's move on
1: to. <laughs> but they've done to... a good job of it. That's yeah. it, without a doubt. Because yeah. you could have put an idiot on the throne. Yeah. And it could have been, you could have put Boris on the throne and we could be having oh, gosh, different. Yeah.
0: yeah. Or, or, or Donald. Um, <laughs> King, King Donald. Who are you going to have next? Who's,
1: who's going to be in the uh, building? Right. Okay. So we're going next. Um, well, we've done two Americas. Let's mix it up a bit. I would like to put in um who else we gonna add here we you've got i'm just looking down the list here so um why don't i put in soichiro honda that's gonna mix things up so soichiro honda was the founder of honda motors funnily enough and um obviously japanese post-war generation um extremely inspiring man very humble there was a generation of japanese business tycoons that emerged post-war, who were all about service. They were all about, you know, 50s Japan was bankrupt and poor and in poverty, you know, like people didn't have proper housing or food and they weren't the Japan of the 80s that emerged and they had people like the Honda and the Toyota family, obviously. And, you know, the stories are, for example, they would, he started out gathering these old jerry cans and, you know, these sort of Disused, used, um, what do you call those? Like those petrol kerosene cans from the military the, the mm. Americans left behind. They would gather those and then they would use that and weld it as a bike onto a bike. Yeah. And, you know, so they could put a motor and like a, a petrol reservoir on there on the bike. And they made these motorized bikes and because they didn't have any transport and they needed work. And so he said, well, I'd, I'd do this because then, you know Japanese people could ride to work and they could work and they could make things and like rebuild Japan. And so inspiring, you know, he he, ripe old age, I think he lived to his nineties and didn't really, you know, caught the public eye. was very humble and wrote a lot about his sort of philosophies, um, probably died a billionaire like most of these guys, but you know, you wouldn't know, lived Mm -hmm. a very sort of simple existence. So I think like to me, I, I see people like that and thinking, you know, you could have done it another way. You could have, you know, like be driving around in a Mercedes and, you know, like bling bling or, or you know, like showing off your wealth or, you know, like um, telling people how to live their lives. But he was just, you know, I, I just want to kind of rebuild and mm. give people back their lives. And I, I think that's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. So I,
1: I, I'd put I- him in there
0: okay and I'll, I'll go i'll go with you on that one and in fact you reminded me of someone i'm not going to put in the balloon but i thought of him at the time warren buffett um who also drives around in his old beat-up old car <laughs> lives in the same house he was in since 1937 in utah yeah and gave i think something like 1.5 billion to the gates foundation to be used for charities around yeah
1: not his foundation as well right that's no, no. incredible right he
0: somebody else's foundation to
1: um, how cool is that
0: yeah no i, I think you're not going uh, to put him
1: in there not yet, not yet.
0: No, I, I'd rather have a think on a few others. I want to get an Italian. I'm going to put an Italian in there. Okay. okay. And um, uh, it's uh, the Emperor Marcus Aurelius, all right? So, okay, he's been dead for 2,000 years. Why are we, <laughs> why are we choosing leaders who are dead? Is it Is it because they've gone through the phase of when we all hated them? And yeah, they're can, safe now, we can, right? We can revere them. We can put a statue up. But I think Marcus Aurelius is an interesting one. The last um, 19 years of his life, he was not in good health. Um, and and he's, he was in a lot of pain for a long time. And he spent those years in the forests of Hungary, fighting the invading hordes of mm. Huns. Um, it was Germans, once again, invading from the North. And, um, but he, he wrote the meditations, which, which uh, have been used you know, as part of Stoic philosophy. And It was just really letters to himself. And not only that, but he was picked up at a really early age by uh, Anton- Antoninus. Um, and, and he sort of adopted him and he went, right, lad, I'm going to mentor you and bring you on. You're not hereditary. And, and he could be in competition, but actually he looked after him, taught him. And a lot of the Stoics taught him things. So he was always learning mm. Even at the end of his life um, when he was back in Rome on one occasion. He was seen scurrying along with his with his equivalent to his iPad, which was really his tablet, uh, which he was going to, you know, scroll on, taking notes. Then where are you going? He said, I'm going to a lecture. But he said, you know, why? You know, you're, you're so old. He said, you're never too old to keep learning. And I, yeah. I like that whole attitude that, and I'm going to until the day I die, and it might be not very long, who knows. But I want to keep learning. And I think I think leaders, leaders, all leaders yeah. are leaders, but not all readers are leaders. And I think we need to learn And we need to be open that we could be wrong and that we're prepared to learn from others. Everybody you meet has something to teach you. So I want to put Marcus Aurelius into the uh, balloon.
1: Why do you think military leaders particularly breed a lot of good leaders? Is it because of their training? Is it because of the environment? You know, they're dealing with death, I guess, at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I've thought long and hard about this. Someone once said... um, they have actually spent about 350,000 pounds training and developing you in your 20 years in the army, Jonathan. Mm. Another friend of mine said, well, that was a waste of money, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: uh, but kindly enough, you know, if, if an organization, if I'm suggesting an organization spends 22,000 pounds on one of their leaders, they go, oh my God, that's so much money. Yeah. So if you think education is expensive, try the cost of ignorance. And, yeah. and what happens is a lot of the leaders in business are very ignorant about what it means to lead other people, about human psychology, about how to get the best out of people, about public speaking, about motivation, about you know, selfless service, uh, about what are their values, what they stand for, who are they? You know, how do they find out what motivates other people? They don't do any of that. And they just mm. put them in a, promote them into a role and go, congratulations, here you are, load more money, off you go, lead this organization. Yeah. And normally they, the role models they've seen are bad role models. Whereas at least in the military, if somebody did what Boris has done, they would have resigned themselves immediately. They they, they would not. I saw a letter Mm. from the chief of the general staff about the behavior of some members of the parachute regiment. And he wrote to the whole, every commanding officer in the army, he said, this is not acceptable behavior. And we dissociate ourselves from that. And this regiment needs to sort itself out before it's fit to go back on tour again. Mm. We are serving the country and we must follow the morals and ethics of the country. And, and that's why I think that's why you see so many good military. Okay, you get, get some famous ones when they get it bad, they get it badly wrong, My Lie, and things like this, where atrocities mm. are committed. But at the same time, the really good ones, like General the Lord Danner, who, who I'd want to put in the balloon as well, you know, his, his book up here on my shelf, Leading from the Front, he, he was my boss. And in the mm. absence of my father, I learned so much. What
1: was, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I'm curious, like, why? I think, obviously, they've got... There's that idea of the greater purpose, isn't there? Mm. Which will attract the right people, I guess. So there's a bit of that. The training, the culture. Um, and I, I wonder as well, because ultimately, at the end of the day, I mean, if, if you fail as a business leader, you might get shunted aside, mispromotion. If you fail as a political leader, well... Maybe nothing happens, maybe you keep going as we've seen. Um, But as a military leader, people could die and do die, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, you know, definitely that has to be something that the cost of poor, you know, that expiring leadership is too high because thousands may die. And historically, thousands have died as a result of bad leadership, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned examples. They're well documented in history as well. So I guess that must be a part of it is that the cost of getting it wrong is too high. Therefore, it makes sense to invest in getting it right.
0: Correct. And and just picking up a further one, a very personal story for me. Um, I I grew up from the age of two and a half with no dad. Now, Hmm. my father died saving the lives of two other pilots. He died in order that they could live. That One was the co-pilot who he got out of the plane, which was on fire. And the other one was the man whose plane it was, who he was test flying to make it safe, make sure it was safe for him as the commanding officer. And and these guys I met afterwards and they said, your father Mm. died saving our lives. Now, Mm. I don't know many CEOs and leaders in business who are prepared to die for those they lead. It's just not the deal. Not many. This is the covenant between, this is what Richard Dannett talked about. He talked about the military covenant, we will serve the country, but in return, when we've had our legs blown off or we've been killed, look after our widows mm. and or widowers, and and look after us with prosthetic limbs and things like that. Which wasn't happening; the country mm. wasn't doing its share of the deal. But he made it a clear covenant between the two sides. Oh yeah, mind we've you've seen
1: mind. a lot of that with mental health as well, haven't we? With PTSD. A lot of ex servicemen yeah. as well. Yeah. Only now people are starting to realize, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, th- those are great examples. I'm sure we're going to revisit, I'll hear some of your stories as well about your times in service. You know, it's good examples of leadership. I'm just interesting, I know it's not somebody we talked about today, but I've been reading um Extreme Leadership. um oh, yeah. A book behind it. Jocko, behind- Will, Will Nick, is Jocko it? Willink. Yeah. It's a bit sort of, you know, it's it sort of masculinity on steroids <laughs> which is kind of like you know ready meat you know red meat eating all that kind of stuff it's it's cool actually it definitely has a place because it's done with like real genuine um principles yeah. but it's interesting he's a navy seal and you know like a lot of these special forces that that that's their life forever you know they are seal once and for all and it's just interesting about their ideas of leadership obviously you know special forces is a lot more decentralized but A good example of one story in that where there was a, you know, a snarl-up, but, you know, all kind of things went wrong um, in Iraq. But he, you know, when they called everybody, the CEO called everybody in, um, they could have all blamed each other, but he just said, it was all my fault. You know, that was the leader. He stood up and said, it was me. I'll take all the arrows. And I thought that was a really good example. That's the extreme leadership, isn't it? It's like completely owning it. Like I'm not going to blame anybody here. If anybody wants to blame anybody, blame me. And we see examples of that in sport as well. I think you know, good sport leaders. I sometimes see interviews with people like um, Pep Guardiola, the Man- manager City, Manchester City manager, who just some of sometimes the team doesn't play well, and it, rather than single out somebody, he would just say, "It was me." Mm. You know, and like, if anybody's going to take the blame, it's me. And I think that's a really good leader, and I respect yeah. those guys because that it's easy to kind of say, no, 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 it was that guy, it was the new boy who no, screwed no. it all up. You know,
0: you're so you're so right. And there's another classic example. Uh, General Dwight D. Eisenhower went on to become president, as we all know. And on the eve of the world's biggest invasion ever of D-Day, sixth of June, nineteen forty-four, he wrote two letters. One letter he wrote in it. know congratulations this has been a great success and I give all credit to Bradley and all the others and you know the different pattern and the different the different generals who'd been in charge of different parts of the elements of the of the invasion and then he wrote the other letter which was I'm really sorry that this had not worked out as we'd hoped and it was all my fault no no blame given to anybody else he owned it and I think this 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 extremely leadership is also extreme ownership yeah and, and i'm also because i know you love your triathlons and extreme sports as i, as mm. I used to do when i was a younger man and <sighs> and, 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 and uh, still can crazy, no excuses crazy, crazy. um is uh, david goggins uh, of course oh, another, yeah. another seal i mean he was he goes extremely crazy he's way. extreme he's got blood running down his legs and he feels yeah. like he's crapping himself but he's going to keep going you it, it, phew, you know extreme but I, I love the guy i love to have him on the thing who else let's let's uh we've got a few yeah. more on there but let's um pick one a couple more each A couple more each all right who whose turn pick? is it
1: is it yours or mine who did the last one
0: uh, i did marcus aurelius and dan
1: marcus aurelius uh, and the emperor uh, General, and General all right dan, let's dan. go from an emperor to somebody without office i want to put in greta thunberg the yeah 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 great teenage or 20 year old now climate change activists um again, like faced huge criticism in the public. Um, But it just goes to show, I mean, my son mentioned it the a few months back and he said, it's really interesting that this is when Trump was still president. He said, a teenager's taking on the president of the United States on Twitter and the teenager's winning. (laughs) I thought that was, that's that's really awesome. That just goes to show that leadership isn't about office or power. Mm. It's about morals and, you know, influence. Mm. That a teenager can take them on. And when she stood up and did that speech in front of the, uh, you know, United Nations, or you know, the, the, in, did the uh, that speech about, you know, you've stolen my dreams. You know, people have been talking about climate change for 120 years. Jonathan, it's been they knew about climate change in the late 19th century. Swedish scientists have discovered it in 1880 something. Mm. So we had all the data. It's not like oh, we're not sure. It's been there. But it took a, a teenager to stand up and, you know, take the path of most resistance and tell that story. And that changed a lot of things. You know, that was kind of a pinnacle, I mean, a pivotal point in, you know, the climate change movement. And good for her, because, you know, if it was left to our generation, it wouldn't have happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think a really good choice. And there's so much that needs to be done uh, about the environment. And, you know, as you say, back in 1914 when Sir Ernest Shackleton sent out in the endeavor wow. to, to go to the South. He knew there were these problems, even then he was seeing the changes that were going on in the environment even then. And he's somebody that I'd, I'd put in the balloon um, mm. because he took them all out and he brought them all back. It might've taken them three or four years, but he never once gave up on all the people, every single one of them, even though their ship had been crushed on the ice and sunk and they'd been mm. living off you know blubber and various bits and pieces. He was always keeping them going. And he personally trekked over South Georgia, which people of modern explorers have tried to do what they did. They went, how the hell did they do these? Yeah. In boot, boots with nails not through nail them. boots. And, and a little small bit of rope. And, and, and a they sweater. Got, they got over, they got over <laughs> here, yeah. A wet sweater and an oil skin. I mean, everybody these days would have given up. And, and so that kind of leadership, he wasn't military, but he, he had that spirit, which was going on during the First World War. Well, everybody was fighting in the trenches these guys mm. were stuck in south georgia and elephant Island. Yeah. it's a fascinating endurance is the, is the book to read it's stunning it's amazing and it is the f- about the photographs as leadership. well if you ever
1: get to see the photograph the the journal yeah because they had the an official photographer it's amazing like you know yeah. you really do see it i wonder though jonathan like i know you and i both like those boys own adventures and daring do crazy tales of climbing mountains and all these kind of things um I mean you've done some of them yourself so but you know do you think that that is like you think about Shackleton as well as sort of a reckless type of leadership you may say well you know he okay nobody got left behind um you know bravery but they shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. maybe and maybe uh, you know they they followed him into this situation. So is that a good yeah. example of leadership? Should we be celebrating? I mean, I, I love the story of Shackleton and yes. collected many books about it, but it,
0: it, it is an interesting point. and you know, was he so obsessed with it, you know, going back again and again on expeditions and trying to raise money for it? Um, it, it is an interesting one, which always takes me to another person I choose, which is Oprah Winfrey. Okay, she's she's a a billionaire, probably a certainly a billionaire, probably multimillionaire. But if you if you study her life and what she went through and the abuse she had to go through and the sort of aha moment she had to be more of a leader, Mm. um, yes, I know she gets a a hard time from uh, some interviewers for the way she did um, Harry and Meghan, um, and it wasn't as balanced as it could be. But I think. She's been a real role model to many people, mm. and got people to open up and be prepared to be vulnerable. Not hopefully in a gratuitous sort of uh, shaming and uh, making a mockery of the people, but actually allowing things that were in the closet to come out of the closet, and people will mm. talk about things. So i I'd put her in the balloon, definitely.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, she's been phenomenal. Success. Mm. The first black woman who probably was a success at that scale, especially in business. I mean, in media as well, which is totally a white man's world. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. Really? I definitely deserved and still going, you know, of course she's going to get criticism for the interviews that she does, right? But does she care? Yeah, yeah. Probably not.
0: And I think in some ways that's a key thing, not to care too much. Who else would you, you put in your belief?
1: Who else will we put Abilene, in there? Yeah, it might be getting a little bit more controversial now, right? Shall we go with a little bit of the contentious ones in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, please. I, haven't, I know you're not a fan of him, but I would like to put him in here for the... Oh, no, let's put... Okay, I'm looking down the list here. I was going to say Steve Jobs, because I know you're not a fan of him, but I do... Uh, but there's somebody better than Steve Jobs, and this is going to be a little bit controversial. Bill Gates. Okay. How about that? That I, you know, when it comes to presentation and storytelling, Steve Jobs crushes Bill Gates, you know, they're a different league entirely. And and Microsoft versus Apple is just not comparable, but let's go back to it. Bill Gates gave away how much, 90%, 95% of his wealth. Mm -hmm. And what really, really impressed me was before this COVID stuff, and I know he's got a bad rap for that, but I think that's a lot of that's unjustified, but there's a, there's a documentary about him on Netflix called Bill's Mind. You should watch it if you want to kind of see how he his MO, if you like how he rolls. Really fascinating. You've got billions. What do you invest in? Do you invest in like a, a rocket ship to the moon, like curing cancer? You know, like the big issues of our time, you know, you, you know, real big sort of ego things. You could be that man that saves humanity, right? What did he invest his billions in after spending days, weeks, you know, he like showed him reading all these books, doing some research, talking to experts, like he, he went really deep into it. Like you'd expect Bill Gates to do. What did Bill Gates invest his billions in? The problem that he wanted to solve. And this is the funny thing, Jonathan, because like he's, when they asked him, what did you put the money in? He said, diarrhea. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what? <laughs> it's like, I've just dedicated my life to solving diarrhea and I think to me, it's like, man, you are a a leader because he he basically worked it out that one of the biggest killers in the world is poor sanitation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether it's like toiletry or, you know, supply of fresh water, you know, in developing countries, it's the the silent killer. People don't see it. Millions, millions, hundreds of millions of people die as a result of dysentery, um, typhoid, diarrhea, all kinds of infections. But, you know, it's not, sexy disease it doesn't have a great brand like cancer right or you know like uh, climate change and to me it's like wow that's something else to think like that and i think he deserves a place for that
0: yeah And, and i think before he set up the bill and melinda gates foundation which um melinda must be given a lot of credit for the ideas and the drive behind it and i know they've gone through tragically a separation i'm sure they're divorced now and so that drew lots of ire. I do find him, uh, you know, a, a mixed character. In that, you know, he, he's quite quite lacking in EQ on occasions. Mm. Very high on IQ. Probably like many of our leaders on the spectrum somewhere mm. of, of, of their ability to read other people, but being very clever. Like he, he'll go into this log cabin and then take about I don't know, twenty books and he'll read them all. You know, read them all. He can read at great speed and he. He, he learned about so many different things and connects them all together, which I find very interesting. Um, but but what he's done with all the wealth he's had in setting up this foundation, which is selfless and does amazing work, I do, I do think he should be in there. Um, I want to go on to the organizations, the books, and then next month. But mm. before we do, who else, we, we don't have to um, shout out for the thing, but who else might have? Been on the list and still is worth thinking about in future sessions would you perhaps mention four or five others that you, you might got left have...
1: behind in the yeah. balloon mm, i can i'm having a look at some of the names that we've got on the list um they're mostly your there's a couple of yours there mm. do you want to go with those that i've noticed
0: yeah i i i actually um might have put barack obama in there now that's oh, yeah, contentious. yeah yeah but barack obama for me is an inspired leader as opposed to his replacement, I don't mean to be a Republican. <laughs> or, or a I, which, which one? Um, but I think I think Barrack versus um, what's his name Donald somebody. Anyway, uh, you know, uh. I mean, to me, he's the expiring leader, the antithesis of leadership. But he gets such a following from many people I know who think he's the best thing since sliced bread. But for me, he's not in my leader. So I would have businessmen like Thomas Edison in there, maybe mm. women like Amelia Earhart, Razor Parks, Mother's yes, Razor. Um, and then who, who else might you have in there? I like
1: Barack Obama. I just think as, a, as an individual, mm. he just exudes calm and confidence. Yeah. And he, I think he exudes respect. You want to like him and you want to respect him. And I think, you know, a lot of my American friends obviously were a little bit ashamed about his replacement. And Barack Obama was the one that they felt that was when people could look at America and think, okay, this ain't too bad. So, you know, obviously it's not black or white. It's not, you know, he's perfect. There's a lot of bad things there. But as far as he went, he was one of the best, I think of yeah. his generation so yeah. absolutely yeah. He, he was a statesman i think that's the word that i'm looking right. for he, you know Dignity. He, he wasn't a boris or a donald he wasn't going to let you down he would play the game and do it really well yeah so yeah. i think i agree yeah i like your choices rosa parks is good um again somebody who's kind of taken the path of most resistance amelia Earhart, again like our lady from earlier on um and forgive me if i forget her name but like that's tiny broadwick that was it mm. the parachutist um Mother Teresa I'm not sure about. I've heard many conflicting stories about her. Mm-hmm. Um obviously we we grow up with that sort of image from school. She's mm-hmm. kind of this saintly figure. Um but you know in later life I've read a lot. For example, I know Christopher Hitchens who's a huge late Christopher Hitchens huge critic of Mother Teresa. So mm-hmm. I've kind of been obviously influenced by that. So, mm. I'm not sure. But, like a lot of the, you know, I know we chatted about Gandhi as well, like a lot of these leader figures. And I think he, he was amazing. You know, when he died, he didn't have any office, mm. didn't hold any um, position of politics or nothing. It was just Gandhi, mm. just that guy in the loincloth, right? But I know with him as well, there's lots of, even Indians are very critical of him as well. Mm. So, it, it's never perfect, is it? No, even never in is. these leadership stories, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, there's something that they've done. Right? The more
0: you read the biographies about the people, you go, "Oh, I didn't realise that about them yeah. at all." Um, and uh, you know, I mean, Angela Merkel, you know, for a long time yeah. was seen as quite a heroine. Now her pro-Russian stance of um, you know appeasement and uh, trying to stop uh, Ukraine joining the EU and things like this uh, back in 2014, they're going, "What was she up to? You know, what what, what was she thinking of?" Uh, because, you never know,
1: do you? you know. Well, I mean, you mentioned Barack Obama as well. Like, you know, it, it's uh, like with him, I'm sure lots of things went on, which you probably thought that's not what I thought he was about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We don't know, do we? So
0: And we can, you know, uh, here we are, two armchair critics. Uh, yes. But actually, we, we're trying to look for the good in them, but we're also yeah. acknowledging that we all have feet of clay myself included definitely all the faults I've made gosh I could write a few books about it in fact isn't uh, the, the thing to do these days is to write the alternative CV all the things <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't pass the things I failed at in life but what I learned from it let's go on to inspiring organizations um, yes at Graham um, you know, brands are very closely linked to leaders you've you got some really good views I, I, I liked the, the three or four you chose do you want to share about which organizations get your thumbs up for being inspiring leaders in business or their field or whatever
1: it is. Yeah, like, so we were we were chatting about brands, weren't we, and organizations. And I think they're inseparable, like the leaders and the organization. You can't have a leading organization without a leading leader in there, right? I think that leader has to, even if that leader isn't front and center, they have to give the green light to the people to be able to lead and i think that's what makes great organizations is that the leader sets the tone doesn't take credit like you mentioned some good examples of you know that for example the military where they don't take the credit for things they take the credit for the failures only so great examples of brands i mean in business obviously i mean apple we've talked about um well-known example of the impact of leadership you've gone through three leaders in their time Obviously, um, you've got Steve Jobs, who really created that. And then the guy from Pepsi who came in who messed it up. And then obviously Tim Cook, who I think is very underestimated as a leader, but phenomenal, really. And then, you know, in terms of the results that he's driven with, he's an operator more than an inspiring leader like uh, Steve Jobs. But even with Microsoft, I think, you know, we need to think about people like Satya Nadella, who's mm. been, the results he's got with Microsoft, is just phenomenal like one of the best performers in the last 10 years. Um, when you thought, Microsoft, who are they? What could they ever do? Now, now, now we, nobody does Windows, Internet Explorer. It's all kind of history now, isn't it? Mm. Office, you don't use that anymore. But, he, you know, 10x that business just as a result. And interestingly, you know, his attitude towards leadership is, is very opposite to the old Microsoft, which was very traditional top-down chain of command, right? Command and control. His was all about, look, you know, um, if you don't want to like work in the office, you don't need to work in the office, right? If you want to do these things, you can do these things, right? And, you know, I don't know, I don't have the answer. That's his attitude towards these things. So, that, I mean, that's been really refreshing. I'm sure there are many sides to that story, but I think those are two good examples well-known, Apple and Microsoft, great organizations, many, many bad things and faults in them, I'm sure. but. If you want to find the good, there is definitely good in both of those.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think they're really good. And you also chose Red Bull. Uh, yes. With Dieter, and uh, and and that's you know an exciting, fun brand. Even though I don't particularly like the fact that they're pushing on us a, a caffeinated, sugary drink, which makes you no. a freak, uh, and keeps you awake all night long. Um, so I well, think- the, th-
1: the interesting thing is, like, all the people I know that worked in Red Bull don't drink it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's telling, isn't it? It's like the (laughs) guy guy who took over Ford, uh, Alan Mulally, who now he's an inspiring leader. I would have added Alan Mulally. Um, And um, I got trained um, by Marshall Goldsmith, who's one of the top coaches Mm. in the world. Um, And he coached Alan Mulally. And he said, you know, one of the most inspiring leaders he knew, who led by example, went in and he noticed that in the Ford car park, no one had Fords. Mm. That's a bit telling, isn't it? And, he, and they had this, you know, he had about 30 staff looking after him as the CEO, and he got rid of them straight away. And in, in the, when, when do people go down and visit the big factory? Oh, they, oh, they don't go. They, they don't go down there. No, we don't, we don't deal with those. Yes, you do. And he went down straight away, just unannounced, arrived, had a walk around, found out what's going on. That's mm. inspiring. So I'd actually add, we're missing a few business leaders. I would have added. Let's
1: give uh, them a shout out.
0: Alan Mullally. Um, so inspiring books. Um, I've, got a, I've got a book that I've been reading recently. Um, mm.
1: What I, have you been reading?
0: Yeah, I, I just, um, well, because I'm dyslexic, as you know, I listen to audiobooks just like I love mm. podcasts. So um, I was listening to It Worked for Me in Life and Leadership by General Colin Powell who mm. I alluded to. And um, I, I think, uh, you know, he has his 13 rules of how to lead. He, he was a really natural leader who, who had stories, tips, anecdotes, and particularly big example. And he also came from a background which wasn't the traditional West Point one. He came from university in the ROTC is whatever they call it, I don't know what it meant, but, mm. but a very different background. Uh, English, Jamaican, original background, humility kindness <clears throat> works uh lovely 30 some rules to lead i'll just i'll rattle through them because they're quite they're what do you have it ain't as bad as you think it will look better in the morning <laughs>
1: <laughs> you say that yeah. one about dating <laughs> <laughs>
0: get mad then get over it avoid having your ego so close to your position that when your position falls your ego goes with it so okay. this is where nice. people have to stop thinking i am a ceo no you're, yeah, yeah, you're great yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, It can can be done. In other words, Mm. don't be a complete pessimist, but equally don't be a Pollyannaish that, oh, everything's fine. It's great. But but generally it can be done. How can it be done? Uh, Be careful what you choose. You may get it. So, so, you know, if you make a choice on it, be prepared to get it. Um, Don't let adverse facts stand in the way of a good decision. So, you know, what, what do leaders make? Leaders make decisions. Yeah. And they've got to be making decisions because actually, not making a decision is a decision in itself. Yeah. And often people dither and they wait for more information and more information, but you've got to get on with it. Um, you shouldn't make someone else's choices. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You shouldn't make someone else's choices, and you shouldn't let someone else make yours. Yeah. Own your own choices.
1: Yeah, in life for sure. Yeah,
0: really good. Check small things. Um, yes, he, he sort of stops you micromanaging, but there are times when you have to check the small things.
1: Yeah, because
0: yeah. inattention to small things leads to big things. Share credit where you know, a bit like Eisenhower I said before. Remain yeah. calm, be kind, and and that lovely seal motto: "Calm is contagious. Panic yeah. is contagious too." But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, too much of that exists. Um, number eleven, a bit thirteen. Have a vision, be demanding. So this is clear overarching vision for what you want. Yeah. Everybody knows your intent and their intent in achieving yours. Twelve, don't take counsels of your fears or naysayers. You know, much mm. of what you fear never happens. And finally, perpetual optimism is a force multiplier.
1: Perpetual yeah, Optimism
0: oh, yeah. is a force multiplier. And it really is this idea of, of certain things, certain people's strategic thinking. Um yeah you know, you're paid to make three decisions a year. Those are force multipliers because they just up, up the game.
1: So absolutely, I really, really love Those are great. Book. They were very, very practical and straightforward. Yeah. OBS.
0: Yeah, loved it, loved his
1: book. No fluff, right? No,
0: no. Go, go, really good listen. And he reads it himself. And oh, does he? Even yeah. better. I love he it when they himself. do that. Yeah,
1: yeah. I hate it when they get a voice actor well, in and it's sort of this match of voice well, that's actor. That's the
0: point. He said, own it's it. Not, it's your own yeah, voice. Yeah. You can't tell it's your own. story. It's real someone else telling Absolutely. your story no um what's your, what's your book what would you go for yeah your- i've got a book
1: here staying with colin power for a minute it's interesting that uh, like english jamaican obviously i knew he was mixed race just looking at him right um, i just interesting that there's a sort of a group of leaders who have challenged tradition who have by virtue of being born between two worlds if you like have that sort of ability to get the best of, best of both worlds. Mm. Um, you know, like Gandhi, for example, we haven't mentioned him much, only in negatives as well sometimes, but he's, um, interestingly, a man in a loincloth, he was a lawyer. Mm. You know, yeah, he, was he was a lawyer in South Africa and then lived mm. in London for some time. You know, so you can't imagine that, this guy sort of with his spinning cotton thing. Um, but even like, I was thinking like Bob Marley, like I never knew Bob Marley was half white, half black. Wow. You know a man who you know has influenced a lot of people about issues of race and you know history of like you know slavery and so on um things like that but i think somebody's kind of like even like tiger woods as well another one but you know there's people who've really like changed the game literally and made people think and appeal to these kind of because they're not of like you say about the ego and identity thing they're not of one world that they're Mm -hmm. so tied to it They had this ability to operate between multiple worlds. So I think that's kind of an interesting facet in leadership. And would be curious to explore those examples as well, not mm. just in race as well, but you know, all different kinds of identities as well. Mm. So, my book, Jonathan, um, because I've spent many years since the 90s living in Japan, and um, you know, I'm married to a Japanese lady, my son is half Japanese. Um, Japan's a big part of my existence. It was the first place I live, ever lived outside of the UK. And, you know, if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, Japan was a thing, you know, Sony and it was like the apple of the day, but I picked this book, which is the Toyota way to lean leadership. Ah, yes. Um, and it sounds a bit dull because <laughs> like nobody gets excited about Toyotas. Um, but the thing is, is like Toyota has been one of the most successful brands, organizations um, in history. Um, came out of nothing, one of the most profitable, um, you know, it's not building a rocket ship to Mars, unlike some, but it's remained profitable throughout time, um, you know, highest sales globally of all auto manufacturers. And it's just been very, very steady in its progress. But the whole point of lean leadership, interestingly, it's a philosophy that they teach, you know, it's going all the way back to like, you know, we talked about the constitution. It's like the constitution of the company is like, it's not about the Toyota family. I don't even think they run it anymore, but it's about creating leaders at all levels. And, you know, it's the philosophy of creating that leadership. How do you create leadership? You know, owning mistakes. And just one small example of what leadership is. And I I really like this, is that they've got all their kind of like their their sort of quirks and, you know, how they do things, the Kanban boards and so on. A lot of this has inspired startup parlance now. You know, we talk about Mm. agile. It all comes from here. All that agile thinking is based on Toyota's manufacturing philosophy. But here's what's interesting. I love this is that you know, there's a leadership lesson and we practice this in our small business is that stop the line. So if something goes wrong in the factory, they have a policy, a philosophy, a leadership uh, philosophy of stopping the line. So the whole line stops. So if there's like a machine that's broken, that's leaking and you know, or maybe I'll just, move it over there or I'll throw a towel down there and that'll fix it. They don't, they stop everything. And because that forces everybody to fix it and deal with the problem. You can't hide it. You can't push it away and just have this little hack, this little fix. And I can kind of do my own thing and get back to it. So that sort of stop the line philosophy, I think is really powerful because it encourages everybody to think about solving problems mm-hmm. and everybody can take ownership of it. And it's not the boss's role. Like if you're just, you know, fixing seals on a car or putting handles on, you can stop the line. There's a big red button, you just go ding and the whole thing's and the whole factory has to come and have a look at it and say, what's going on? How do we fix this? We're not going back to work until this problem is solved. And I really like that because that's really unpopular. People are gonna get pissed off. Like, what are you doing? I'm trying to put in a steering wheel here and you stop the bloody line. It's like, no, no, we've got to fix this. Mm. And everybody gets at it. And so I think there's some really powerful insights. And you may not be building cars, but you know, in terms of running teams, empowering people and just solving problems without a vision as well. Their vision is like, how do we better serve society? You know, we don't know the answer. I guess that is the vision, sorry, but they don't have a solution. It's like their solution is, we'll just get better every day. Mm. And I think yeah. there's some great stories in there about leadership.
0: I think I might've read it a while ago, but I'm definitely going to read it again. Thank you. Uh, love it. And, and, and love those things. And yeah, agile thinking, stop the line, leaders at all levels. Uh, and leadership is a choice. It's not a rank or a position. And, and it's, mm. it's an attitude, isn't it? I, I love that one. So next month, um, for next month, I'd like everybody to look forward, we're going to have one on the first of the eight components of the Inspire Leadership Compass, which you'll see on the website, which is MQ, Moral Quotient, which is about morals, integrities, values, principles and beliefs. So uh, we'd ask you, the audience, to send questions to Graham mm. and myself, the same question to each of us, but just so we can have a think about it. Uh, my website jonathanperks.com, Graham's is pickal.com, P-I-K-K-A-L.com. So um send us some questions. We'll pick those up and we'll include your name and who you are in the best kind of questions that we have. Be specific, sincere, and succinct in the questions that you have Um, and any observations for you in this of our first episodes, what worked well, www, what worked well, that you like, you want us to do more of and what would make it even better if, EBI, even better if we were to do it. And we'd be constantly looking to do Kanban ourselves with uh, always looking to improve. So we're gonna end with appreciation. Um, Mm. Graham, do you wanna go first or shall I go first? Being specific, sincere and succinct, what we appreciate about you're good at this, so I'll let
1: you go first because you're a natural.
0: Oh, I'm not sure I'm a natural, but thank you. Um, my appreciation of you, Graham, I, I just find your wealth of knowledge on a whole range of topics. It, it's always, it's like drinking from a far hydrant. There's so much valuable information. I miss so much of it because there's so much good stuff, but you are a fabulous storyteller and um, I've really enjoyed this session. So thank you. That's my appreciation of you, Graham.
1: Well, thank you. And, you know, I've enjoyed it as much as you have, I'm sure. I've really thought that um, to have this opportunity, again, was a privilege. I've really enjoyed, you know, jamming on this subject. Um, so I appreciate the fact that you've created this platform for people um, to give a voice to conversations that matter and to, you know, build your community. And I really appreciate that because, you you know, you, you've, you've been at this for a while now. And that takes some dedication. You've got your vision, you you care about this enough. You know, you're you're connecting with a community of people that care about this as well, continuing to inspire. So I've really enjoyed all of that. I really appreciate it and, you know, appreciate a little bit of the challenge as well. Uh, That's a bit of a sparring. I don't think you kind of lie down and make it easy for everybody. (laughs) So, you know, you're constantly pushing as well, which is great. It's like, I think that kind of, you always want that. You want somebody who's going to kind of, you know if you don't lift your game you kind of think hmm yeah okay show me up a little bit here so i need to kind of up my game <laughs> you know so i really do appreciate that because i think that's sort of the positive healthy competition that we all need right mm-hmm. and I, I you've got that in you know you've got that energy and so i have really i think enjoyed working with you on this and this is the beginning so it's not over yet we're just beginning and also I will add a second appreciation. One thing I really like about you is that you you surprise me. It's like, okay, he's a military man, um, you know, brought up in military circumstances, you know, he he's obviously a member of the British Empire. Um, so you would expect maybe a certain type of character, maybe, you know, very fixed outlook on life. But he seems to be, you know, there he was in the jungles of Peru doing his thing. So <laughs> you know and he's not a fan of boris as we know so you know who knows there's maybe some surprises there so i do really appreciate that because i think that that, he's a guy who's extremely open-minded about things and that means i think he's always learning so
0: graham thank you i'm constantly learning from you and it's a real pleasure having you on the series we look forward to joining us next month but the inspiring leadership uh, podcast and gram podcasts are out there every week uh, and tuesdays are when we publish them have a listen on apple spotify watch it on youtube and it's been a real pleasure being with you and i look forward to joining graham in a month's time bye for now guys